Grace, mercy, and peace be with you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. So as I said at the beginning, it is good to be back with all of you, uh, but it was especially great for the last two and a half weeks for Deb and the girls especially to be able to see mom and dad and aunts and uncles and our niece, um, especially since they hadn't been able to see them since Christmas of 2019, so it has been quite a while. Um, but while we were there, we got to, of course, have lots of great conversations and get caught up on things going on in people's lives. And while we were there, my brother-in-law, Brent, who is a police officer with Cincinnati, decided to go on his first ever major high-altitude hike. And he went with three other fellow police officers up about 62, 6,300 feet into the Smoky Mountain Range in between Tennessee and Georgia. Now, he had received all sorts of instructions on what to bring for this hike. Because this is not your normal sort of walk in the woods alongside the St. Lawrence. You are climbing up mountains with everything on your back. And you're not only exerting yourself a lot, but also having to deal with a lowering of the amount of oxygen in the air. So one of the key critical things that he was told was about what kind of food to bring with it. Now, my sister-in-law had heard a lot of these instructions as well, and so she gave him, before the hike, a giant bag of Skittles, high-calorie candy. And the point of the Skittles was to eat them as you were climbing up this mountain range and your body is stressing out, trying to find oxygen, and putting your muscles through all sorts of new paces that they don't normally go through. But my brother-in-law thought he would have a snack on the drive down to Tennessee, and he managed to eat through the entire bag of Skittles before the hike. With the result, of course, that as he's climbing up the mountains, he was gradually and slowly running out of fuel. And as a result, the journey was almost too great for him. Now, Elijah is dealing with a somewhat similar problem in that he has an incredibly long journey ahead of him. Now, the context, if you don't know, is that he had just bet or made a, made a, a battle between the prophets of Baal, the master, and himself as the only left-standing prophet of the Lord the God who had delivered Israel out of the hands of the Egyptians many centuries before and brought them to this new promised land. Long story short, Elijah, well, the Lord, wins the battle. And all of the prophets of Baal are slain. False prophets, giving the people bad spiritual food. And so they were done away with. But Jezebel, who was the queen, was a follower of Baal. And so she threatens Elijah's life. May worse things be done to me if by the end of tomorrow, you don't end yourself, end up in the same position as the prophets of Baal were at your hands. And so Elijah, who's at this point ready to give up, says, it is enough now, O Lord, take away my life, for I am no better than my father's. And he lay down and slept under a broom tree. And behold, an angel touched him and said to him, Arise, eat. 
Get out your bag of Skittles. I don't have any. It's a lie to get, get out your bologna sandwich. I don't have one. It's a lie So look, behold, there was at his head a cake baked on hot stones and a jar of water. The angel provides the food. And so Elijah eats and drinks and lays down again. And the angel of the Lord comes again a second time and touched him and said, Arise and eat. For the journey is too great for you. You've got to make it all the way to Mount Sinai, Mount Horeb. And you can't do that without fuel. The Lord cares about our need for physical food. If you read the Gospels, you see that Jesus is constantly looking after people in their physical state. He sees people that are hungry and feeds them. He sees people that are sick and heals them. He doesn't just say, you know what? I'm just going to pray for you and direct you to heaven and not worry about what you're going through right now. Just like the angel came and gave food to Elijah, Jesus comes and cares about us and how we are doing physically right now. At the same time as Elijah, of course, is actually physically traveling to Mount Sinai, he is also having to deal with this whole issue of, is God truly God? Was I mistaken to pit the Lord against Baal? Or is the Lord going to demonstrate that he is sovereign and save his people? And now Jesus comes and says, Yes, I am, in fact, the Lord who looks after you, not only physically, but even more importantly, spiritually on your journey. Now, what's the journey? Well, in all sorts of music, I quoted from John Denver at the beginning of the service, but I'm going to quote from Tom Cochran now, famous Canadian musician, and his famous Canadian song, Life is a Highway. Life is a journey. The journeys that we take aren't just by car or bus or airplane or on ship, but actually the journey that we have from our birth through to the end of our life. Another famous group from Scotland, the Proclaimers, saying, the life that I've been living from the day I first took breath has been my way of forgetting I'm on the journey to my death. That's the spiritual journey, the one that starts at conception in our mother's womb and ends when our Lord calls us home. And we need spiritual food for that journey through life. Or like Elijah or my brother-in-law, we will find that the journey is too much for us. Jesus wants to be that spiritual food. That's why he says, I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. He says, I am the spiritual food. I will give myself to you that you will have enough that the journey will not be too great. But what does that mean? It's easy to talk about spiritual things. It's not always easy to figure out what exactly they mean for our day-to-day -day life. As an engineer, I like to get things down to something that I can handle or look at or, or listen to. 
So maybe the best way to understand what Jesus means by saying, I am going to be your spiritual food for the journey is to work backwards and ask ourselves the question, what happens when we either don't have spiritual food for the journey or the spiritual food we are eating is all wrong? First of all, on this journey, this spiritual journey, this journey that we call life, we are each individually on it as people. And individually as people, we run into obstacles on this journey we call life. One of those obstacles is doubt. Where is this trip going? Where is it going to end up? What is the map to get me from conception through birth all the way to the end? Doubt comes into our minds as we start to ask ourselves, what what is this all for? Am I in the right job? Did I marry the right person? What's going to happen to my children or grandchildren? Who should I vote for? What should I be doing? And then as you're laying on your deathbed, did I lead the kind of life that God wanted me to lead? Or if you don't believe in God, did I lead the kind of life that mattered at all? As we muddle through this pandemic, which will likely not be the last pandemic we ever have to go through, a lot of these questions have come to the surface. What is this all about? Doubt is one of those obstacles that if we don't have the right spiritual food, we will not be able to deal with. Jesus says, I am the bread of life. I want to be the center for your life. I also want to be the map. I want to be the guide. I want to be the one who carries you from birth to death. I don't want you to have to live a life in doubt. I want you to live a life in the certainty that because I was sent into the world to die for you and rise again on the third day, there is a purpose to life and it is found in me. Aside from doubt, as we journey along this thing called life, we also have to deal with the other big obstacle, which is guilt. Each and every one of us has done things in the past we are not proud of. We have all done things that we wish we could undo, the things that wake you up in the middle of the night, you think, if only I could go back in time and not do that thing, not say those words, not make that decision. And our spiritual journey gets hampered by guilt and feelings like we have somehow failed. And the honest reality is we have. Each and every one of us, pastors and people, we have not done the things God has asked us to do. We have said the things God has told us not to say. We read those words from Paul in Ephesians and say, this is not the kind of person I've been. Where... What do we do with those feelings of guilt? Do we just try and brush them away? Do we go to counseling for the rest of our lives to listen to some therapist say, well, really, it wasn't all that bad, or you just have to put it behind you? No. Jesus says there is only one remedy for guilt. And it's forgiveness. And so I will be the spiritual bread that forgives you. I will be the one that gives up my flesh on a cross so that I, as the Lord God, might look at each and every one of you and say, 
And if there's one thing we need right now in our world, it's forgiveness. It's grace. Especially as we see our cultures descend into gracelessness. An inability to forgive. I was listening to a little clip from Bill Maher the other day. He was talking about three of the people that were fired from the opening ceremonies of the Tokyo Olympics just days before they actually happened. Artistic directors and script writers and choreographers. And each and every one of them was fired for something that they wrote or said. And they were much younger, decades younger than they are now. And in fact, one of them was a teenager. Who said it, apparently it cannot be forgiven, no matter how much forgiveness you ask for. Bill Maher joked that when we were kids, and some of you in Canada might remember this, our parents would tell us, or our teachers would tell us, if you keep doing that, it's going to go on your permanent record. We all lived in fear of that permanent record that would follow us from kindergarten all the way through life. And now Bill Maher says we find out that it's true. There is a permanent record, except in Christ, the one who is the bread of life and says, what record? What words that you spoke? What thing that you did? I remember none of it. All of it was washed away in your baptism. All of it is forgiven because of what I did on the cross. You need not be paralyzed by guilt. You need not be so imprisoned to those things you've done in the past that you cannot live for your neighbor tomorrow. What is past is gone and wiped clean, and tomorrow you can continue to love your neighbor. I am the bread of life, Jesus says. And without certainty to combat doubt, and without forgiveness to deal with guilt, Without that spiritual food, this journey called life will be too great for you. But none of us are alone on this journey. That's why we gather together on Sunday, either online or here in person. Why do we do this, Pastor? Can't I just worship God by myself? It's like, actually, you can't. Because worship is a team event can't play water bowl polo by yourself. You can't play women's or men's soccer by yourself. That's what worship is, because we need each other on this journey through life, because we've been placed together. And not only here in this space, but as you leave this building, you're going to find that there are other people in Montreal. This is a busy place. It's not like other countries where we can live out by ourselves and never see another person for days at a time. You are going to run into somebody within seconds of walking out of this church building. And then somebody else. And then you're going to be driving with other people down the highway. And you're going to be sitting with other people on the bus and the metro. We are all in this journey called life with other people. Now, I did a lot of driving this summer. Like, a lot, as the kids can attest to. One thing you notice when you're driving is that there are an awful lot of people on the highway that really do think they're on the highway by themselves. They really do think they own the place. Could you signal? Could you let somebody know you're about to change lanes? The signs all along the New York Thruway are, this is not a race. And you are not by yourselves on this route. If you are not getting healthy spiritual food, 
you're going to be blind to those God has placed around you or will not know how to interact with them when they come across your path. Here in this space, we hear every Sunday words from our Lord, from the prophets and the apostles and the evangelists that teach us how to journey together on this thing called life, how Jesus wants us to follow him in the midst of other people. What it means to love your neighbor as yourself. What it means to not murder and not steal and not commit adultery and not bear false witness against others and not covet the things that belong to others. What it means to honor others as greater than yourself. What it means to be servants rather than those trying to lord it over others. This is the spiritual food that Jesus, who is your Lord, who has placed you in his body, who has redeemed you from sin, teaches you and feeds you with. And if you're not receiving that spiritual food, if you're being taught to ignore your neighbor or to trample on them so that you can get ahead or to use them as stepping stones towards some greater goal or to see them as obstacles towards a more fulfilling life, you will not be able to continue. You will find that you do not have food sufficient enough for the journey. And so Jesus said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. This is the bread that comes down from heaven so that one may eat of it and not die. That's the certainty. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. That's the destination. And the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. That's the forgiveness. And it's also the guide. Jesus puts himself forward as the only lasting, true, healthy, good for you, eat it every day, have it morning, noon, and night, food for your spiritual journey. The food he gives in his word, the food he proclaims from the cross, the food he gathers us around at his altar, the food that he gives us in baptism in our constant remembrance of that washing clean of sin. Without Jesus, the journey is too much for us. And it's why we struggle needlessly to make it through life without joy, without peace, without all those gifts of the spirit that the Lord wants to bestow on us that makes life worthwhile, that makes it good in the words of God. By eating his word, by eating him, you and I will make it to Horeb and past Horeb to eternal life. And not just one by one, but together as his body. Not hungry, but satisfied in him. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.